is stick. The mob took his money, killed his best friend, then set him up as the fall guy. I want him to take it. Play around with those people. You're gonna get hurt. They're playing a deadly game. He owes me $5,000. And he's not about to be the loser. Because if you get him mad, you can be sure of one thing. Give me a hand! He's going to get even. Why don't you push me that hard? You're mighty at the water. Burt Reynolds. You know what I came here to ask you for. Candace Bergen. I don't know if I'm ready for you, Ernest. George Siegel. And Charles Durning in Stick. The only thing he couldn't do. So how are you drink? That regular or apple? Was stick to the rules. Apple. I'll say good night. Hello everyone. Welcome to the Burt Reynolds and Charles Bronson podcast. And what movie am I looking at this time? Stick, 1985, starring Burt Reynolds, Candace Bergen, George Segal, and Charles Durning. This movie, like I just said, came out in 1985, and this is the beginning of the slide of Burt Reynolds. He was the box office king from the mid-70s to the early 80s, and now he's tapering off. And this is just about the middle of his decline. He's going to have a resurgence in a few years, but right around here, this is where he starts uh, getting to uh, places where he's never been before, where he's not that popular and his movies aren't making money and all that. And he also directs this movie, and we'll get into all of that later in the podcast. The movie opens, there's a train running through, we see this water tower, they're in Miami, and there's a person standing on the train and that's Burt Reynolds and I'm going to admit Burt Reynolds looks pretty cool here he's got on a jacket he's got on a fedora he's got a beard with a little patch of gray in it he looks good this was right around the time if you checked out my podcast on the movie City Heat on that movie Burt Reynolds got hit in the face with a chair that messed up his jaw And he really could not work for a couple of years. And this is right around the time he was coming out of that. And you could tell because he he looks good, but he also looks a little frail in some shots. Because it messed up his jaw, he couldn't eat, he lost a lot of weight. But he's back. We're in stick. The... Train is running through and we see Burt Reynolds jump off the train and he starts walking. And he walks up through the city and he walks and he finds this van with his buddy in it. His buddy, Rainey. Rainey picks up Burt and they're obviously old friends and they hug. They're really happy to see each other. And I'm going to say this right now. Burt Reynolds didn't direct a lot of movies, but the movies he did direct... The, the play between characters is really, really nice and really, really casual. 
Sometimes you think that the camera is not rolling. It's just Burt Reynolds talking to his friends on the set. That's the feeling I that's the feeling I got when I watched some of these scenes. Burt Reynolds is really good at really just casually directing a scene between two friends and it just feels like old friends. Like the camera's not even rolling, that they're just happy to see each other. And I got that feeling quite a few times during this movie. I thought as part of his directing, that was a good part of his directing. Friend picks him up, they go to a bar. They sit down and they have a couple of beers. And Burt Reynolds is like, it's 10.30 in the morning. And his friend Rainey goes, yeah, but you're out. You're out now. You're out of the pen. So now we know that Burt Reynolds is an ex-convict. We don't know what yet, but it's made clear that he just got out of the joint. And that's why he's there in Miami. He meets up with his friend. They go to the bar. They're drinking. And this really obnoxious guy comes up and starts, you know, hey, and he starts hitting on the bartender. And the bartender is in her early 20s. And this guy is just making really, really inappropriate comments, talking about young women and, and all that. And Burt Reynolds just doesn't put up with it. He just basically slams the guy's head into the bar several times. And they walk away. And his friend Rainey goes, you can't do that. You're not in jail anymore. I have to go back to that bar. People know me there. And Burt Reynolds uses the term short eyes. You got He had short eyes. We'll find out what that is later. And he said he did it because she reminded him of his daughter. Now we know that Burt Reynolds is out of the joint. And now we know that Burt Reynolds has a daughter. Getting We're filling in Stick's background. His friend Rainey goes... We got to do a little job first. We just have to do this. Burt Reynolds is like, it's not drugs. And Rainey's like, no, it's not drugs. We just have to take one suitcase from one guy and drop it off to another guy. That's all we got to do. And they go to this really, really elegant uh, apartment building. And they go all the way up to the top floor. And they're meeting a guy. And Charles Durning is one of Burt Reynolds' guys. He's in a bunch of his movies. He was on his television show. A lot of actors have, you know, a posse, a crew that they work with all the time. And Charles Durning was one of Burt Reynolds' crew. Worked with him quite a bit. And in this movie, he plays Chucky. And Chucky is a bloated pillhead. He actually looks like a bloated surfer because he's really, really big. He's really, really fat. He's got this long blonde hair. You can tell this by looking at him. He's a bad guy, and he's just not a very desirable character. Well, they're up there. They're talking to Chucky. Chucky gives him the suitcase to deliver, and Rainey goes, what about our money? And Chucky goes, come back tomorrow. And Rainey gets a little iffy, but then Burt Reynolds just walks up, looks Chucky right in the eye, and says, you heard him. He'll be here tomorrow, won't you, fat man? We've just realized that Burt Reynolds as Stick doesn't take... Stick doesn't take shit. Stick does not take shit. And that's probably from being in the joint. Uh, and I'm sure he was like that before he went in. We're establishing the fact that if uh, Burt Reynolds as Stick likes you, he's really, really cool. He's really, really charming. And if he doesn't like you, just stay out of his way. They start driving the van. They're back in the van and they're driving for a long time. And Burt Reynolds is just like, he doesn't feel right about this. It's like, I don't feel right about this. We're driving into the middle of nowhere. 
his friend Rainey is just like, calm down, I do this all the time. There's no drugs in the suitcase. We're just taking money from one guy to another. That's all there is. We don't have to even touch the drugs. Don't worry about it. And Rainey warns Burt Reynolds, it's like, we're going to meet a guy called Moke. He goes, Moke is an albino. And Rainey says, don't say anything about that. And Burt Reynolds says, I've seen albinos before. Rainey is like, not like this guy. Well, they finally pick up Moke. And Moke is, he's just a weird looking albino guy. And Burt Reynolds knows right away that this guy is trouble. And Rainey is just trying to calm things down. Because when Moke gets into the van, him and Burt Reynolds just sort of have a staring contest. A staring pissing contest. And that one's going to back down. And Moke gets into the van, and this is the first interaction between uh, Moke and uh, Burt Reynolds. What the fuck you looking at? I never saw anybody with bunny eyes before. Uh, Moki, Moki, listen, Moki, uh, Moki, what are we doing here? Uh, Moki, do you know where we're going? I, uh, I mean, I don't know what. Are we supposed to wait here, Moki? Uh, nobody said anything to me about waiting, Moki, so... Uh... Sorry. I'll, I'll wait. Just drives big. Okay. They drive off and they finally meet. There's another car. And this is where they're going to make the exchange. And for some reason, Moke wants Burt Reynolds to make the exchange. But Rainey's like, no, no, no. I want to. I'll make the exchange. Don't worry. I know these guys. I want to say hi. And Rainey gets out and he starts walking towards uh, the the drug kingpin's car and then somebody gets out of the drug kingpin's car and starts walking towards Rainey so it looks like they're going to walk and just exchange the suitcase but before Rainey can get there Moke takes a gun out of his belt leans out the van door and just shoots Rainey dead bang 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 dead he's about to turn around and shoot Burt Reynolds but Burt Reynolds gets the best of him able to get him out of the van and drives away in the van. And the drug kingpin, his guys, follow him through this cane field. And they're running after him. And Burt Reynolds is driving this van. But the van doesn't get too far because the fuel tank is hit. So what Burt Reynolds does is he takes this can of gas, douses the van with gas, and then sets it on fire. And it explodes, and it ends up killing the two guys that are after him. And after it explodes... Burt Reynolds heads back into town, which is this. I mean, I know it can happen, but first of all, Burt Reynolds is new to Miami. He doesn't know how, you know, where things are, how things work, where he is. And they drove for a very, very long time into the middle of nowhere. So the fact that he was able to get back to civilization, I don't know. I mean, it could happen, but it would take a long, long time. But he does get back to where he knows he's at, and he goes to a friend's house. So this is the friend. When Rainey picked him up, he was supposed to take him to this guy's house. But before he took him to this guy's house, they did this job. But now Burt Reynolds is where he was supposed to be before all this shit happened. And they're old friends, all three of them. You see a picture of Burt Reynolds, Rainey, and this guy. I forget the guy's name, but uh, all three of them are friends. And this guy just says that Rainey wanted to be a big shot. That's why he hung out with these guys. 
And now Burt Reynolds is on a mission because they were promised $5,000 to deliver that briefcase. And even though his friend Rainey is dead, that briefcase was delivered. So Burt Reynolds feels that I am entitled to the $5,000. We cut to the next day and it's uh, Charles Durning meeting with the drug lord, Nestor. The guy's name is Nestor. So now it's Chucky and Nestor meeting. And Nestor is angry because not only is Charles Durning a drug dealer, but he's also taking a lot of his own pills. So he's messing up. And you could tell in the relationship between Nestor and Chucky that Chucky is the subservient one. He is petrified of Nestor. And Nestor knows that, and Nestor uses that against him. And what happened the other night was that... Earlier, Chucky bought some drugs from a narc. The narc ended up shooting one of Nestor's guys. And Nestor is sort of into voodoo, the occult, stuff like that. And he was angry that he lost a guy. So Nestor wants a life. He wants a life from Chucky. And that's what Rainey was. Rainey was a sacrifice to even the score with Nestor. Because Nestor lost a man, and now Chucky had to lose a man. Which would have been fine, but even though that he got the life from the one guy he lost, Burt Reynolds ended up killing two other of his guys. So now Chucky is still on the line for a life to this guy, Nestor. And Nestor proves he's not fooling around, because he had another guy that was dealing drugs for him, who dealed cocaine, and he was using too much of the product. And we open a box on the table and there's a nose in the box. So Nestor doesn't fuck around. And he tells Chucky, get me a life and straighten up your act. And find me this stick character. Now there's a montage of, of Moke and a couple other guys uh, looking for stick so he's going around the streets. He's questioning people about where to find him. One of the places they go is to the friend of Burt Reynolds. And Burt Reynolds is not home at the time. He's out on a boat and he sees this guy, Moke, leave his friend's place. And you think, oh man, his friend is dead. But he goes back and his friend is just tied up. And his friend go, you know, his friend's like, Moke is looking for you. So Burt Reynolds and his friend, they come up with this plan to get back at Chucky, but also to be safe from Chucky. There's a guy in town named Barry Bronze. And Barry Bronze is this, this rich, obnoxious guy. He's played by George Siegel. He knows this movie producer. And Chucky wants to get into some legal action, and he wants to be part of this movie deal. So he's been kissing up to Barry Bronze. And Burt Reynolds' friend says, if you get in with Barry Bronze, Chucky can't touch you. And that's what he does. So he shaves the beard, he looks presentable, and he ends up going back to the bar where him and Rainey were at the first place. And the same uh, bartender is there, and she recognizes him. She's like, oh, you've cleaned yourself up. You're the guy that slammed that other guy's head into the bar. Why'd you do that? Well, he had short eyes. What short eyes? That's child molester. And the bartender 
who's been flirting with Burt Reynolds this entire time, says, you, you think I'm a child? And he goes, no, no, you're not a child. You just reminded me of my daughter. I also like the fact that there is no, that he doesn't hook up with this because this woman in this movie is clearly way too young for him. And I know the big thing in Hollywood movies is the older man and the younger woman, but they don't do that in this movie, and that's a point for this movie. Uh, Barry Braun, played by George Siegel, he comes in and he's loud and he's obnoxious and he's telling jokes and, you know, what's the last thing that goes through a bug's mind when he hits a windshield? His asshole! What? He's the life of the party. And he's looking for his car keys. His chauffeur was supposed to drop off the car keys uh, to this bartender. And the bartender like, no, no, the guy's name is Cecil, the, the chauffeur. No, Cecil, the, well, say that five times, five times fast. Cecil, the chauffeur, Cecil, the chauffeur, Cecil, the chauffeur. Cecil did not drop off his keys. Now, Barry Bronze, he's pissed. And he can't get into his car. And that's where Burt Reynolds comes in. And Burt Reynolds used to steal cars. So he's able to break into his car and start his car up. And while all this is happening, we get our first glimpse of Candace Bergen. Candace Bergen pulls in in this yellow Porsche. And Burt Reynolds sees her and she sees him. And there's like, let's get that electricity going. So we know that's going to happen later in the movie. And George Siegel gets Burt Reynolds to drive him back to his place. And while he's driving George Siegel back to his place, we also we know that he stole cars, but you also know that now we find out that he was in jail for armed robbery. And the thing with George Siegel's character is he likes to have shady characters around, but he doesn't want to get his hands too dirty. He's one of those people who likes the, you know, the border of the bad life. He likes to be on the border and looking in, but he doesn't want to get too close and get too dirty. We see that because most of his employees are ex-criminals of some sort. As we find out, we pull up to his house, we meet uh, Cornell. Cornell is one of the butlers at the house. When they pull up, George Siegel offers Burt Reynolds the chauffeur job. But before Burt Reynolds takes it, he wants to see the room where he's where he's going to stay. Cornell takes him up to the room. And while they're going to the room, they see this other room. And he goes, that's where Candace Bergen stays when she stays here. And Burt Reynolds is like, oh, you mean that hot girl, that, that hot woman that drove the Porsche? And he's like, yeah. And Burt Reynolds, and this is one of those scenes that I really, really like. Because it's just two guys going back and forth like the camera's not even on. So now we've established that Burt Reynolds has, has, has a thing uh, for uh, Candace Bergen in this movie. And they go into their room and they start talking and we get all the exposition about how Barry Braun, you know, he likes to have criminals around but not too bad of criminals. And uh, we also find out that he's taking Cecil's job and Cecil was a huge man. Burt Reynolds also inquires uh, about to Cornell about... Chucky. And we get the deal that Chucky wants to go legit. He's tired of dealing drugs. He wants to get some legit business deals. And Cornell also said, everybody tells Burt Reynolds, don't mess with Chucky. He's crazy. Don't mess with Chucky. He's connected to these drug dealers. Don't mess with Chucky. And Burt Reynolds has it in his head. Oh, he's going to mess with Chucky. 
Then we have a, a montage of Burt Reynolds getting uh, suits as being a chauffeur. And while he's doing this, he is spotted by Moke. And Moke calls Chucky. And Chucky says, whatever you do, don't mess with Stick while he's with Barry Braun. While he's with the George Siegel character. When he's not with him, do whatever you want to him. But while he's with him, don't mess with him. Because Charles Durning does not want to mess up his deal with this movie producer. And you can see in Moke's eyes that he's getting a little tired of Charles Durning. He wants to do things his way. He doesn't like to have rules. He just likes to get things done. Uh, we cut to a scene where these girls are playing. Burt Reynolds steps out of his car. One of these girls sees him and run towards him. And it's his daughter, Daddy! The thing I liked about this movie as well is usually when you have a father that's in jail, usually the daughter is ashamed of him and doesn't want him to be around. It's totally opposite in this movie. His daughter is happy to see him. And his daughter really wants him to, to be around and stay around. We get the opposite stereotype of a lot of movies where, oh, my dad's in jail, I'm ashamed of him, he has to earn the daughter's trust. He doesn't have to earn anything here. I mean, he does, but the daughter makes it really, really easy. She's, she's just really happy to see her dad. And while all this is happening, well, you know, this, they, they, they have, like, cool conversations, like this one. Your shoes are so ugly, I look like I have Flintstone feet. <laughs> Very chic. Saved all your letters. Both of them. Smart ass. I tried to write. I'm just not very good at it, you know? I know, it's okay. Talked to your mom this morning. That's how I knew you were here. How is she? She's okay. She gets a little weird sometimes, but you know how that is. Oh boy, do I have it. <laughs> any closer to getting a stepfather? No. Am I any closer to getting my real father? You are a smart ass, aren't you? I take after my dad. That's right. <laughs> Let's do something right now. You pick. What? Roller skating. No. Horseback riding. No. What? I got, I got it. I got it. Sit right here and listen to the ducks. While all this conversation is going around, Moke pulls up with this other guy. And once the daughter leaves, uh, Moke and this other guy go chasing after Burt Reynolds. And there's this chase scene. And the music they use for this chase, this movie came out in 1985. And synthesizers was the thing. And the, the music, this chase music, is just this really hard-pounding uh, synthesizer music. Like a cat was just walking across a keyboard or something like that. It's actually really, really distracting music. And one of the guys chases uh, Burt Reynolds into a bathroom, and there's a closed stall door. And you think, oh, Burt Reynolds is in that in that stall. But the guy kicks it open, it's empty. And somehow Burt Reynolds has worked his way up into the ceiling. There's like a little crevice in the ceiling, and he works his way up there. And he just, you know, swings down, kicks the guy, and, and knocks him out, and then shoves the guy in the urinal and, and flushes it on his head. Then he runs away, he gets back to his car, and he takes off, and then Moke sees him take off, so Moke is chasing him. So we have a bit of a car chase until Burt Reynolds, it just seems like he randomly picks this building. I don't know why this building, but out of nowhere, but out of all the buildings in Miami, Burt Reynolds picks this one building that's 
the host of the Highlight Championship in Miami. And they're in this theater. Moke and Burt Reynolds. Moke starts chasing Burt Reynolds and starts shooting at Burt Reynolds. And somehow, I don't know how, but Burt Reynolds gets behind him, knocks him out, throws him over a railing. Now Burt Reynolds has gotten the best of Moke twice. And Moke is not going to take this very, very well. The next scene is Burt Reynolds with the limo with George Seagal at the airport. They're picking up Candace Bergen. And once again, now it's more Candace Bergen and Burt Reynolds just have fuck me eyes throughout this entire movie. I know the George Siegel character likes to be around the seedier type, but you don't get that vibe off of Candace Bergen. And she's just immediately taken with Burt Reynolds. And I, from what I gathered from her character, I don't think, I don't, not a character like that couldn't fall for Burt Reynolds, but man, she's just right, when she sees him, she's just like mouth open. And, and there's, there's no buildup. It's like they see each other and they want each other. There's no cat and mouse in this movie between the two leads at all. And they drive back. They're going to have a party. They're having a big party that evening. And not only does Burt Reynolds have to uh, be his chauffeur, he's now a bartender. And this is another one of those nice scenes where Burt Reynolds is tending bar and he, he gets behind and he's just like, give me some time, I can do this. It's... This movie is peppered with just very, very... Burt Reynolds is one of the most likable actors ever. And it's just peppered with scenes that's just these casual, real scenes that just capture life. It just... you It's like you could see that happening. It's just so natural. I don't know why Burt Reynolds didn't direct more movies. Because his personal interaction direction is fantastic well he's behind the bar stick behind the bar he doesn't know what he's doing Candace Bergen immediately steps behind the bar and starts helping him out and they're flirting they're behind the bar we see Chucky on a boat looking in at Burt Reynolds and Candace Bergen notices right away he goes somebody's giving you the big guy and he turns around and it's Chucky so they stare each other down and now Candace Bergen knows that there's something between uh, Burt Reynolds and Chucky. We cut to a scene where Burt Reynolds is talking to the other chauffeurs out in the parking lot, and uh, then all of a sudden, uh, he's got a job to do. And uh, what's the job he has to do? Remember when we talked about Cecil? Well, Cecil comes barging into that party, and he's a giant, giant man. And Burt Reynolds really doesn't think anything of it until he gets this message. Listen, uh, Mr. Braun, the whip wants you to come over to the dance floor right now. Why? He, he got a job for you to do. You, you're going to love this. You're going to love this. He wants you to throw Cecil out. <laughs> you remember Cecil? The guy's job you took? <laughs> Kill two men with his hands. Yeah. <laughs> this gonna be some funny shit. 
we cut to Cecil terrorizing everybody at the party, and all of a sudden, Burt Reynolds comes walking in with a, a canister of of gasoline, and he pours himself a brandy snifter of, of uh, the gasoline, and Cecil goes, what do you got, regular or ethyl? And ethyl, for you young kids out there, that's what they used to call premium gas. I don't know why. I guess the ethylene or whatever, high contact of ethylene. Uh, you look it up, but the high grade of gas used to be called ethyl. And Burt Reynolds just splashes the gas on Cecil's face and he lights and he goes, you know, take a powder, say goodnight. And Cecil walks away. So he, he, he was able to take care of the problem without getting, without getting beat up. After that, Burt Reynolds is talking to Candace Bergen and uh, Charles Durning walks up. And Burt Reynolds is like, where's my money? Charles Durning. Actually, one of the times he's acting cool. When he's around when he's around Nestor, he's just a blithering, cowardly idiot. When he's around everybody else, he actually acts, you know, pretty cool. He's pretty on top of it. He just pulls out this wad of money. He's like, no, I don't have any money on me at all. And he starts reeling off these $100 bills. So now he's just, he's just stoking the flame of hatred of Stick. Uh, we go to after the party, and Candace Bergen is just sitting on a chair. And once again, this is just the setup. Uh, Burt Reynolds and Candace Bergen have really, really good chemistry together. And they take uh, they take their conversation from the living room out to the beach. They're telling themselves about each other, and there's a, there's a kiss on the beach. So we've gone from fuck me eyes to kissing. That's all we get so far. And while Burt Reynolds is talking to Candace Berg and he talks to all his talks about all his prison friends, and he says, "You don't miss people in that life; you just remember them," which is not true. I think he, at this point he's fooling himself because he's actually doing all of this, messing with Chucky, to get he doesn't care about the five thousand dollars. He wants to get revenge for his friend, so he's doing more than remembering his friend. He's missing his friend and he's taking revenge for his friend. Once again, Cornell, uh, Cornell the butler, tells him to back off. Stay away from Chuck. Everybody's warning Stick to stay away. But he's our protagonist that just has a set of values. And even though it would be easier to step away, he's not going to do that. He has to do the right thing by him and by Rainey. And now it's the next day and this big movie producer... The one that they've all been talking about. He's in town. And he's going... There's a bunch of people there. They want to invest in this movie. <laughs> they say he's like... He's a hot commodity in Hollywood after he produced Cowboys and Aliens. And that was an actual movie later in Hollywood. Cowboys versus Aliens. Hollywood is c repeating itself. It's coming in. It's Inception on itself. It's we we think... We say something as a joke, and then the joke becomes real. Well, that's what happens here. And the uh, the movie producer is played by Alex uh, Rocco uh, from The Godfather and The Simpsons. You know, that rough-voiced guy. Well, he's the movie producer, and he has these contracts, and Candace Bergen is there, and she's an accountant, and she basically tells everybody that this is a tax fraud. If... You know, if you invest in this movie, you are a fool. So all this buildup for this producer coming in, and the guy is a con artist. 
And now that makes things worse for Chucky because, and it also makes things worse for Stick because now that this producer is a fraud, the drug kingpin really wants, you know, he really wants Chucky to come through with his life and he wants him to take care of Stick. And now the bad news for Stick is now that this movie producer is a bum, there's no reason for Chucky to hang around with Barry Braun to have a legitimate deal. So his protection of being with Barry Braun is now over. And the next cut, we cut to uh, Nestor's place. Nestor is the drug pin. And uh, Burt Reynolds shows up there. And while Burt Reynolds is waiting for Nestor, there is a huge tank of scorpions. And, you know, when you see something like that, it's like, well, that's coming back later in the film. It has to. You're not going to spend that much time on a tank of scorpions not to have it come back later in the film. And Burt Reynolds is there to ask permission from Nestor to go after Chucky to get his $5,000. Now, at this point, Nestor is growing tired of Chucky. Chucky keeps messing up. And he thinks to himself, well, this will be a great way to get rid of Chucky. I'll just send Stick to get rid of Chucky. And then after that, I'll just get rid of Stick. But before Stick leaves, there's a scene where Nestor takes a pair of tongs and they take a scorpion out of his tank. And there is a low-level drug dealer there. And his sales are down. And they put a scorpion on this guy. And the scorpion... It was, uh, I don't know if they can de-sting a scorpion, but it was a real scorpion on a real guy. So the guy who did that, I give him credit. I don't know if it was still would have been poisonous or not, but this scorpion is running all over this guy. It's an incentive to get his sails up. But like I said, uh, Nestor gives stick, you know, you know what? You have my blessing. You can go after Chucky. I'm not going to do anything to stop you. After that, he goes back to the house he goes to Candace Bergen's room, and now they have a little brown chicken, brown cow. Then the next morning, she's just laughing and smiling, like, I can't take, you know, I don't think I can handle you. And Burt Reynolds is like, well, you know, I have been in prison for seven years. They have, uh, you know, they have this, it's once again, a really nice, really real scene. They have this nice, light conversation, but before he goes... She asks him what the real reason was for him to come see her. Uh, this is what he says. What were you going to tell me last night? That you were right. It's not Chucky. Or the money. The rest of the stuff. It's me. And the way I feel about Rainey. Go on. You spend a lot of time in prison. You learn that you gotta stop certain things. Feelings. About your family. Your friends. Your daughter. Otherwise it makes you weak. And you gotta be strong, you'll never get out of there. I've been bumping up against this thing like I was still on the joint. you're not. Yeah, that's what 
Everybody keeps telling me. Old habits are hard to break. Now we see Moke, and Moke is the shooting at bottles. And one of Nestor's guys pulls up and says, We want you to kill Chucky and Stick. So now, basically in this movie, everybody wants to kill everybody at a certain time. And for a movie that a lot of people want a lot of people dead, not a lot of people die in this movie up until this point. The only person dead up at this point is Rainy. And that's a, and I find that kind of odd for a movie like this. It's like up to this point, the first killing happened within 15 minutes of the movie. And then up to that, it's just people wanting other people dead. Well, now Moke is on the case. Moke is going to kill Stick and Chucky. And there's another scene of Stick having lunch with his daughter just to cement that relationship. It's another nice scene between Burt Reynolds and, uh, and this young actress. Uh, we go back to uh, Barry Braun's house and uh, Cornell. He's checking the, the pool and the maid is there and they're having a conversation. Then out of nowhere, Moke comes up, grabs the maid, punches her in the face and just pulls his gun on Cornell and says, you know, where's Stick? And Cornell won't tell him, and Moke just basically blows him away. And he, he goes flying into this pool. And then we see Burt Reynolds. He pulls up, and everybody's freaking out. You know, George Siegel is freaking out. Uh, the whole staff is freaking out. Cornell is there, and Cornell gives the speech. It's like, go kill that motherfucker. And, you know, Stick is like, yeah, okay, I'm going to do that. And Barry Braun, George Siegel is like, you do what you got to do. I got the best lawyers in the world. And this is another running, this is, you know, I've seen this in a lot of the movies I do. It's always rich people. When you're filthy, filthy rich, there is almost no consequences to what you do. That people, not that it always happens that way, but George Siegel, who is filthy rich, says, I have these lawyers. They can make anything go away. And I know that there's lawyers out there that can do that. And I know that there's people who have lawyers that can do that. We cut to Chucky's apartment. And Chucky lives, like I said, he lives in an apartment building. He's up there on the, you know, the 40th or the 50th floor. Way, way off the ground. And he's agitated. And then Moke is in there. And the reason he's agitated is Chucky can't find his pills. And Moke has his bottle of pills. And Moke starts... You know, flipping these pillows around starts torturing him. So now Chucky is freaking out. And then Stick shows up with no gun. No weapon at all. And he's confronting the psycho that he's had run-ins with before, who he knows carries a gun. And I, this scene, I, I, I know why the scene happened this way, but all we've seen in this movie up to now is Moke is just a... He just wants to kill. He's not into playing games. He just likes to blow people away. That's his thing. But all of a sudden, in this last scene, he wants to start playing games with these two. He puts his gun in his belt, and he says, if you can reach this gun before you reach me, you know, maybe you'll live. And then a bunch of things happen at one time. Charles Durning run to, runs towards Moke, and they flip over the rail. And uh, Chucky, Charles Durning, just goes, Whoa! and splats on the ground. And at this point, 
Moke is hanging from the balcony. So he's hanging, I don't know how many stories up, 20, 30 stories. He's way off the ground. Moke was played by Dar Robinson. And Dar Robinson was one of the greatest stuntmen that ever lived. And this was one of the last stunts that he ever did because this was 1985. In 1986, he died on a stunt that went wrong in another movie. So this was one of the last things he ever did. And he is connected to a deacceleration rig, which is something that he invented. Which means he's falling on wires that are, that's going to slow his fall. Because in a lot of shots, you can't, you can't look down on the person who's falling because you're going to see the giant mat that's beneath him. But with these wires, you can do that. He's hanging from the, you know, he's hanging from the balcony and he falls. And quite honestly, this is one of the greatest stunts that I, one of the greatest stunt falls I've ever seen. You can see that there's nothing on the ground below him. And he just unloads his pistol at Burt Reynolds. It's a great stunt. But as I said before, what led up to that stunt didn't make sense. If Moke was the person he was throughout the whole movie, he would have walked in and the shot Chucky and not tortured him with his pills. And then when Burt Reynolds showed up with no gun, just shoot him too. Boom. <laughs> Job done. Now you're not a, you know, now you're not a stain on the ground. Moke is gone, but he still has to kill Nestor. And he follows one of Nestor's guys into his into his uh, building. And he sneaks around and he takes out all the guards. And he gets a hold of a machine. He takes out a guard and he gets hold of the machine gun. And he's talking to Nestor. He's got the drop on Nestor with the machine gun. And then Nestor says, I needed some protection. And now they have his daughter. Which is crime writing 101. Let's get the, you know, let's get the protagonist's daughter. Let's get their family. So they, which is... There's like zero tension in this in this scene. They have his daughter. What's he going to do? We're immediately told that he has his daughter. And within two seconds, he shoots the guy that's watching his daughter and shoots everybody else in the room. He shoots this cage full of scorpions and they all go on to this guy. So he's, he dies by scorpion stings. So that did come back. But there was no tension. Oh, you've got my daughter. Now you don't have my daughter. And I've got the drop on you. And he's got the drop on Nestor. And he says, I have a friend, Candace Bergen, whose brother is an FBI agent. And he'd like to get his hands on you. Now. Okay, that's your plan. Why go after him? Why shoot all these guys? Why not just take all the information to Candace Bergen and she'll give it to her brother? Now, granted, if he found out that his daughter was there, he would have gone there in the first place, but he didn't know his daughter was there. This And, and then, after he shoots everybody, after he hugs his daughter, after Nestor is just standing there, we cut to Candace Bergen and Burt Reynolds on car phones over the end credits, over the sitcom music. It's one of the most bizarre, abrupt endings every, anywhere that I've ever seen. It feel it literally feels like we've got to finish this movie in two minutes. What are we going to do? And the reason that is, is if you look on YouTube, the there was another ending where Candace Bergen finds out what Burt Reynolds did and leaves him. And apparently they thought that was too much of a downer. They didn't want that to be the ending of the movie. So they reshot this sugary 
sitcom ending. And then that's it. The movie is over. It just abruptly ends. We're going to turn this guy over to the feds, and we're driving off in the sunset. We don't find out what happens to Cornell. Anyway, and that was Stick. And what did I think of Stick? There's a lot of nice personal directed scenes of Burt Reynolds. The stunt, Dar Robinson was in this movie, so all the stunts were great. But it was uh, it was another kind of boring, it was kind of boring. Not a lot of things was happening. Like the movie Heat, I reviewed that one. Not a lot of things happened. Not a lot of things happened in this movie. Uh, Burt Reynolds is nice to watch, the cast is nice to watch. But it just gets dull. You would ex- you were expecting more shoot 'em up action movie. You don't get that. You get a lot of interpersonal relationships in this movie, which is fine. But when you when you box it, when you present it as an action movie, it doesn't. It's not going to do. You know, the audience is not going to be happy with that. And they weren't. This was a box office flop, as I said. With more of a decline for Burt Reynolds. If you're looking for a rock'em, sock'em, shoot'em-up action movie, don't. If you're looking, if you're a Burt Reynolds fan, you're going to enjoy Burt Reynolds in this movie because he is charming as ever. But if you're not a Burt Reynolds fan, I would just say pass. Get your action movie someplace else. And this has been another Burt Reynolds and Charles Bronson podcast. I want to thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll see you here next time. To support this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com slash Scott White and give what you're able. If you're listening on iTunes, please give a review. This should help people find the podcast when they're searching. No matter what services you use to listen, please leave feedback. We always want to improve. Thank you for listening to the Burt Reynolds and Charles Bronson podcast. Give me a hand, you son of a bitch! Help me! And I'll tell Lester you got away, otherwise you're a dead man. What's the matter, buddy eyes? Losing your grip? Please help me. Why don't you push real hard? You might hit the water.